I want to talk about um, the notion of um, eating, digestion, the spirituality of digestion and the Kabbalah of food. <laughs> now, we know by nausea that there's a machlokus in the Gemara, a complete uh, opposite uh, argument between the rabbis in the Talmud as to the Nazarite. That is, he has to bring a, a, a sin offering called Bechatus after he finishes his, his uh, Nazirus. So the question is, and the conflict is, why does he bring it? So one rabbi says he brings it because um, he uh, stopped being a Nazarite. You decided that you wanted to become holier, ascetic, you wanted to withdraw from uh, the pleasures of wine and its effects. Um, so now you, 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 you've ceased that state of holiness, so you have to bring a sin offering. The other rabbi says the opposite. He says, who told you you could be a Nazi in the first place? Who told you you could uh, withdraw from the pleasures of this world? The last blood and Gemara in Kiddushin says that Chayiv Adam, a person will have to give Din V'cheshman, he has to give an accounting in the next world for every fruit that he didn't taste in this world. God gave us the bounty of this world and uh, we're expected to take pleasure in it. So you decided to withdraw from the Nazarite from the world by becoming a nausea and not having wine. And so now you have to bring a sin offering um, because uh, uh, you shouldn't have done it in the first place. Now these two streams reflect two approaches to physicality, the Gashmi's world, the world of pleasure, and what is the spirituality uh, as opposed to, um, to to the pleasures of this world. There is within our tradition uh, and within the Christian tradition and with the Sufi and the, and, the, and the Arabic tradition two separate strands, one more ascetic than the other. One saying you have to withdraw from the world uh, in order to achieve spirituality and communion with the divine. Uh, the other says, no, you, you've been given this world, it's the Garden of Eden, it's a garden of pleasure, and the Lord gave it to you to enjoy. How does this apply historically as we look at, at the digestive process of food? Now, when it comes to food, there are two uh, types of food that we know in the Bible. The first is the food that man uh, sows and, and reaps, and it's part of the curse of Adam. You have to sow the ground, you have to work with the sweat of your brow. The other is the, the, the Israelites in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, we learnt that um, in Exodus 16.4, uh, and God says to Moses, I'm going to rain down uh, bread from heaven, and the people will go out and gather in uh, the manna, the manna bread. Uh, in the morning there was a dew about the camp, and in the wilderness there was a fine flaky layer like frost on the ground. 
Vayiru b'nei Yisrael. So when the Israelites saw it, Vayomru Ishel Ochiv, each one said to him, Monhu, Mahu, or Monhu, what is it? Kiloyodo Mahu, they didn't know what it was. Mahu means what is it? Monhu. That's the bread that's gotten given to you. So we have bread from the ground and we have bread from heaven. What's the bracha from the ground? Hamotzi lechem min Blessed art thou, Lord of God, who produces the bread from the ground. That's the grace we say before eating bread. What's the bracha we're told that they said? The Gemara says that we, they were told the bracha to make is bracha to Hashem lekedem melech olam hamotzi lechem min hashemayim. Who creates the bread from heaven? Okay. And it's unclear what the food is, right? In Shmos, in Exodus, it says it tastes like a sweet wafer. Um, a sweet wafer. However, in, in here, in, in Numbers, our coming Parsha this week, um, so in, in Exodus 16.31, the house of Israel named it manna, Vayikru Beis Yisrael et Shmo Mon, Vahu, what was it it composed of? Kazera gud, coriander seed, lavan, white, vatamo, and its taste was ketzapichis bidvash, wafers in honey. That's how it's described in, in Exodus. Uh, in, in, in Numbers, um, it's described as follows. Vahamon kazera gad, who, yes, like in Exodus, it's a coriander seed. Um, Coriander seed, three meals a day. Well, wait. Yeah. <laughs> it had some magical problems. Right, right, right. Um, so it was coriander seed. And um, right, the Hamon Kazera got me. Yeah. And its color was like bedillion, which is oleo gum resin. Shotu ha'om veloktu, the people would go about and gather it, burachaim, and grind it, odochu mamadocho, pounded in a mill store, kabaporod, or with a mortar, or boil it in a pot, v'asu ugos, and they made it into cakes, and now in, in Bamidbar, in numbers, it says, v'hoyatamo katam l'shad hashomen, it it, uh, its taste was the taste of rich cream. So in Exodus, the taste of the mona was katsapichis bitvash, wafers in honey. And in, in, in Bamidvar, its taste was katam l'shad like rich cream. So that's the taste. How do we know um, of its magical properties? So we learn from Psalm 78 the following. Vayitzav shechokim imal. Psalm 78 is a is a is an epic poem according to Kasuto. It talks about the whole historical exodus from Egypt. Vayitzav hashchokim imal. So he commanded the skies above. The dalse shomayim posach, and he opened the doors of heaven. And then 
Psalm 78, 78, uh, 78, 24, and he rained manna upon them, for food. And now it says, and he gave them heavenly grain. So here we know that it's heavenly grain. The grain came down from heaven. My grandmother says that in India, that there is a, a certain plant that in the morning there's a kind of frosty uh, residue. They would pick up and eat it. It was sugary, and they called it mana. Mon. Udagan Shamayim Now, verse 78, chapter, uh, chapter 78, verse 25. Lechem Each man ate the bread of Abirim. What's Abirim? Angels. Angelic bread. In Jerusalem, there's a Angel's There's bakery. A bakery. Angel's bakery, right. I don't think Mr. Angel would uh, agree that his came out of Psalm 78, but <laughs> it was called Lechem Abirim. Lechem Abirim is angel's bread. And he sent them provisions in plenty, so you could grab as much as you wanted, etc. But now we come to our next week's Parsha, and there's a complaint. The people aren't happy with this manna from heaven, mm-hmm. because they're consuming the same food every day for 40 years. Um, and it says in Exodus, They had it for 40 days. They, they, until they came to the settled land, they had the same menu until for 40 years. So now they start complaining. And now 11.6, 6. Our souls are yavesh, dried out, dehydrated. Ain't coal, there is nothing at all. Bilti except for this mon. Meaning, you've been given shallots every single day for 40 years, and at the end you're just complaining, right? So you've got, you've got, there's just nothing to eat. Except shallots, of course. Except shallots, of course. What do you mean, except the shallots, of course? So it's, it's a kind of background uh, behind this is the fuzzy nostalgia about Egypt, right? Zohar Nuesa Doga, we remain, remember, I mean, they were slaves, right? Remember the food flesh pots of Egypt. We had cucumbers and leeks and, uh, you know, uh, fish. And it's interesting when you have patients come to you in pain and they're desperate and they'll do anything, right? And you tell them, look, you can do this, but there is a side effect. And the side effect may be worse than the thing. No, 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 get me the rent, right? There's patients who have trigeminal neuralgia in the face. And I'm telling them, look, you, you let the guys cut your nerve, you'll be left with a numb face. I don't care, I can't stand it anymore. Six months later, they come to you and you expect them to say, my God, the pain is gone. They forgot about the pain. The only thing they can remember now is, I got a numb face. Why did you leave me with a numb face? I said, you had pain. You were in, you know, facial pain is, can be worse than kidney or birth, childbirth, right? It's the worst type of, of, of neurological pain, the facial nerve, trigeminal nerve. 
they forget the pain. And now they're complaining about the numbness. That's what's going on here. Right? Zohano, we, never mind that the Nazis were doing this. Never mind. But, but we, ha- we, we had a variety of food there. We had, you know, this, 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 and this. So what are we talking about here? Now, the rabbis don't read the man as an allegory, you know, but as real food provided by God uh, to show that they didn't have to toil for the food, like Adam and Eve before the sin. And they would have to be able to have time to study the law given on Mount Sinai. So let's go to the Mechilta de Rabbi Shema'el that explains us the... the, uh, you have it, right? I do have it. The Mechilta of the Rabbi Shmuel. Omar HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Im ani mevi achshav es Yisrael l'Eretz. If I take them straight out to the land, miyad machzikim odom besodeu. So everyone's going to go, there'll be a big land grab. This one go to the field, this one will go to his vineyard. Vehein betelem in Torah. So they won't have time <laughs> to study the law, the complicated law that I've given them. Elo akifim ba so the Rabboni Shalom says we're going to give them a unique opportunity to study Torah full time. It'll be a Torah in steiging in a kolel. It'll be a 40-year kolel in the wilderness. And so how will they have food? Oh, I'll give them the manna, the shotin mehaber, and they'll get the water from Miriam's well. Now this is the critical words. And the Torah will be assimilated into their bodies. To the eating of the man or to the drinking of the water? Well, the t- you're right. Awesome. The Torah will be assimilated. Mikan Rabbi Shimon and from this interpretation, Rabbi Shimon Bayachai, the author of the Zohar, says, Lo lidrosh uh, the, the Torah was given uh, to those who ate man. Only the only those who eat manna is it given really to study the Torah. Meaning all forms of work are a distraction from Torah study. And in Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's opinion, remember he goes into the cave and comes out and he has to go back. It is not likely a coincidence that the Gemara recounts how this same sage was supported in the in, in the in the cave by a miraculous carob tree that allowed him to sit and study for the years of Torah with his son uh, in the Gemara in uh, Shabbos 33. The extension of the manna experience to that of eating truma and the fact that this teaching was given by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the author of the Zohar, lays the groundwork for the expansion of the manna-like experience. So for the Mechilta, the Torah is assimilated <coughs> into their bodies. And the Mechilta further says, Al Tikrei Abirim Ela Evorim. That verse in Psalm 78, which said, Lechem Abirim, they had the bread of angels. If you take the Yud from between the base and the Resh, Abirim, and move it to the first between the Aleph and the base, you get Avarim. Why do we want to switch that around? So the Holy Mechilta says, 
Al tikre abirim elo evarim lechem shenatuach be evarim. Amalahem hamon hazeh shatem ochlim natuach be evarim. What does that mean? It's not divine angelic bread. It's not the bread of angels. It's the bread of your limbs. Now, what would that mean? When you consume the manna, what happens to it? It gets absorbed in the limbs of your body. And unlike human food, there is no refuse. The Mechilta has stretched the idea of divine bread, the bread of angels, from human digestion to the digestion of divine lechem abirim. And the difference between human food and the mon is that the mon is totally absorbed. In human food, in the human digestive process, we eat and then what happens? There is refuse. We digest. What is the process of digestion? It is the process of refining the good from the, from the solace. So we have to refine to take the good out, the nutrients, the glucose, the vitamins, the proteins, and what's left? It's, it's the, you defecate the poo. When they had mon, there was no defecation. Why? Because mechilta, in the rabbinic imagination, the manna is perfect food that gets absorbed into the body entirely with no extraneous material. It means they would not have to defecate while in the wilderness as they ate the man. And the Gomorrah in 75, in Yuma 75, says there are other magical properties of the mon. Omar of Yehuda, <laughs> Not only the mon came down, but ladies' jewelry. That precious pearls and jewels descended. It had the magical property that it could taste whatever you wanted it to taste. It had huge properties of volume. It was taller than 60 cubits. So it had, according to the Medrash, it now has supernatural and magical properties. Okay. Now let's move from Midrash. The fact that it came down from Shemayim already meant it was supernatural and magical. Well, of course. So now it's even more supernatural. More exactly. What, what did the Midrash do? Extra it expanded from that which just came down like dew to that came down with magical properties. Now listen to the Zohar and look at which the, where the Zohar takes this human hermeneutic path. Okay? Because I just want you to see how profound this gets. And that's the Zohar. Yeah. The Zoya says, and now what happens is this mon isn't just magical, but it now critiques the receiver. So the mon will be received depending on the spiritual state of the receiver. It doesn't just come equal to everybody. Call inu b'nei 
only those who are part of the faith community went out and belokti umi barachon shama and blessed the supernal name over it. Vahu mono salik richo kol susmin. And for them, the manna emitted a fragrance like all the spi- spices of the garden, the Gansa de Eden. So it had the spice of Garden of Eden. Again, we're referring back just like giving of Torah on High Sinai, Posca Zuamoson, the Nochosh residue and filth was removed, and all sickness and death was removed, right, until the Egel, until the golden calf. So we've gone back to that pre sin, pre fall Edenic period for the national period, so too the Mon came down and had that flavor of Gan Eden. Since it had flowed through there, coming down. So now, the Mon doesn't just come down from heaven, it comes down from heaven through the Garden of Eden and carries with it the flavors and scents and fragrances of the Garden of Eden. And they tasted whatever tasted they desired. Meaning, so that it, it had this magical property. It came down neutral. But in my imagination, if I wanted it to taste like shallots, steak, wagyu, then it tasted like that. And they blessed the supernal king. And it was blessed in everyone's belly. And then, as a result of its consumption, what would happen? He would contemplate and know above, gazing upon the divine wisdom. Now, in the Zoya, that idea of gazing on the divine wisdom is the highest point of mystical contemplation. The manna now, unlike just food for digestion, unlike perfect food in the Midrash, now the manna contains wisdom which enters the person that consumes it. So we're not just being satiated physically, we're being satiated spiritually as well. If you bless the king. That's why the generation of the wilderness was called a Dordea, a generation of high God awareness. They were the skions of faith and then was given the Torah to contemplate and know her ways. But for those Israelites who were not part of the Chavraya Kadisha, what happened to them? I, I told you this depended on whether you were part of or not part of the faith. The thought the people who left Egypt were part of the faith by definition. Yes, because the Zohar is now splitting people who have that secret gnosis, who have that secret knowledge of the faith. Now let's look at verse 8. Do you see that? What does that mean? The people would roam around? What do you mean roaming around and gathering? Just say they went out and gathered like it says in Shmos. What's the added word roaming around? Ah, that's an exegetical trigger for something very dark. 
My shatu, shtusa. Shatu is a pun on the word shtus. Shatu, shatu with a top is shtus. Shtusa have nifse legarmayu. They acquired shtus. Begin to lo have bnei because they were not part of that inner circle of secret uh, Gnostic knowledge. Now what happens? What have we done here? What has happened to it? The man comes down and it's a litmus test of your level of spirituality. If you're part of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's Chavraya Kadisha and you've been inculcated uh, into the secret faith then the man would give you wisdom. But if you were part of those who just roamed around, then shatu, it gave you insanity. Stuss. You became insane from it. So I wanted to suggest here that... Could you repeat the last sentence? If you were part of X, you became insane from the mind. If you were what? You said something... If you were part of the faith community, right, you were, you were, secretly uh, uh, um, um, inducted into this group that understood the secret of the wisdom from the mind. then you received wisdom from and, it. And what if, if you were not part of it and you roamed around gathering it and stuffing your face, you became insane from it. What have we done in the Zoya? We have raised the stakes. We've gone from the Pshat, which is Lechem Minashemayim, to the Psalms, Lechem Abirim, angelic food, to the Mechilta, oh, this food with magic, magical properties. It had magical properties. Whatever you wanted to taste, it tastes. To the Zohar, in which it became the litmus test of where your spirituality was. Now fast forward, I started off by saying there are two strands by the nausea. Do we give, does he bring the Kalvin Khatas because he stopped being a nausea, meaning he should have had that ascetic strand for the rest of his life? That's the ideal, to have the Nazarite, you know, the, the person who withdraws from the world to contemplate the divine. Or does he bring the carbon because he, because he started in the first place? Who told you not to participate uh, in the bounty of the divine and enjoy the grapes of the divine? Now let's apply that to this. What is the mon? It becomes digested, and the magical property is that it's totally absorbed in your limbs. There's no refuse. So, in Kabbalah, this idea of digestion and removing the good from the bad is the notion of birurim. And birurim, taken from umivsari echzebo, from my flesh, Job says, I will understand the divine, meaning from the physiological process within my body, I can understand the spiritual process I have to go through in my spiritual work. Therefore, if eating and digestion is a spiritual activity, then the refining, the birur process, is a constant refining of my physicality with spirituality. So then digestion then becomes that same process. So therefore, 
is the spiritual life to withdraw from that, to live in that world of the Zohar, the Gnosis, where I get from that spirituality total absorption. There's no refining process needed because I've reached that state and therefore I can contemplate the divine through the mag magic process of the manna. Or do we say that um, the function is to um, go through the process to we live in the real world. Now, I want to end up with a positive spin in that Kabbalistic idea, and I'll end up with that. The Kabbalah of eating is the idea of birur hapsolas, to refine the refuse out of the good stuff. But even after that, because we live in this post-Edenic world, not in the idealistic world of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai or in the Garden of Eden, nidbak imo chelke hapsolas sheyesh there's still a residue of the garbage that's left behind. Even though you've processed it through your rectum, right? There is a residue. Even though you feel, and in the physiology, he's making a physiological claim, even though, there's always something left over. It's not a complete refinement. And so Moshe Luria says, just like it's in the Gashmit, it's all in the Ruchnis. So now he's going to give a positive spin on the on the complaint of the of the Israelites when they said, you know, uh, when they said we still we're still Yavesh, we're dried out from this. They what they were really saying is we want to be 100%. We're not naki. We're still not free from the residue of the soulless that's coming. We don't want the manna. We want to still continue to refine the process because we haven't done it fully. So that's the positive spin that Rav Moshe Luria says about the Kabbalah of eating. That if we're still in this world of Gashmias, don't give us this manna. We're not on that level yet. We still have work to do because we still have that Psola Shiesh for We want the complete refining of this until we have no more desire for Gashmias. That's why he calls it Kivras Atava. We want to get to that place of the burial of desire itself. They were on such a high level, they wanted to bury that Taiva itself. So we have from here the idea that we want that ascetic strand. We want to be free of all these Taivas that pull us down into the real world. We want to be attached to the divine and we haven't done it because you didn't give us the opportunity with the Mon. You gave us something magical. We don't want magic. We want to do the work down here. So two different strands, two approaches to spirituality and how they play out in the process of digestion and eating.